Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why key economists think preventing climate change is throwing money away? First word. It's not just the deniers and non-believers who are skeptical and wary about the warnings and alarms of the climate movement. In his Introduction to Economics at the University of Cambridge, Cambridge, 2007, Professor Partha Frank Ramsey Professor Emeritus of Economics at the renowned university, relates a revealing story about the response of major economists to the challenge of controlling climate change. He wrote, In 2004, Eight eminent economists were invited to Copenhagen to offer advice on how the world community could usefully spend $50 billion over a five-year period. The economists placed climate change at the bottom of their list of 10 alternatives. Why did the economists do that? They did it because their reasoning was based on discounting future costs and benefits at a positive rate. Reducing global carbon emissions or investing in technologies for carbon sequestration would involve huge costs now but the benefits from averting economic disruptions would be enjoyed only 50 to 100 years from now. Long-term interest rates on government bonds in the United States have been 3 to 5% a year. When economists evaluate public projects, they typically use such a figure to discount future benefits and costs, regarding it as the opportunity cost of capital. The term being applied to the rate of interest that would be earned by investing in government bonds rather than in the project whose benefits are being evaluated. At discount rates of 3 to 5%, though, Consumption benefits in the distant future look minute today. If you discount at 4% a year, a dollar's worth of additional consumption benefits 100 years from now would be less than 3 cents today, which is another way of saying that as a price for giving up $1 worth of consumption today, you would demand that more than $30 worth of benefits be made available 100 years from now. A number of economic models of climate change have been shown that if you use an annual discount rate of, say, 4%, the costs, which are negative benefits, are greater than the sum of the discounted benefits from curbing carbon emissions. Doing something about climate change now, the calculations imply, would be to throw money away on a comparatively bad project. Economists use a positive discount rate in their models of climate change because the models assume the global consumption per head will continue to grow over the next 150 years, and more even if net emissions of greenhouse gases follow current trends, which is to assume that climate change poses no threat to the future. There are other economists, of course, who take a different view. Some support the grim predictions of the UN's climate agenda. But there is generally considerable skepticism about the forecast of climate catastrophe in the world of economics. Climate scare narrative collapsing. In addition to Professor Dasgupta's economic analysis, I want to reprint an editorial that appeared in the Issues and Insights, 1 and 1, website on February 4th earlier this year, titled The Climate Scare Narrative Continues to Collapse. 1 and 1 wrote, Hot, cold, wet, dry, sunny, clear, snow, no snow, it doesn't matter, it's caused by global warming, the climate alarmists tell us over and again. Their desperation is palpable, the cords that keep them tethered to reality are fraying more than ever, their charade coming apart. For more than 30 years, the crisis peddlers have carried the narrative that man's carbon dioxide emissions are creating an existential threat. They've cajoled, bullied, lied, deceived, screeched and burned an immense volume of fossil fuels to get their hard-left agenda codified and executive-ordered and they have some successes to refer to. But their efforts have been, and always will be, useless. 
Despite their insistence, facts tell a story that's quite different. First, we are now in the 101st month of a warming pause. There has been no trend in the U.A. global mean lower troposphere temperature anomalies since September 2014, eight years, five months and counting, reports Christopher Moncton on Anthony Watt's website, where he helpfully also posts a chart of University of Alabama Huntsville data to show us what he means. Going back further, to the date when the satellite measurements, the most trustworthy data we have, began, the temperature record shows only a mild warming of 0.134 degrees Celsius per decade. Hardly anything to be concerned about. By the way, atmospheric carbon dioxide, CO2, levels since 1980 have grown from 339 parts per million, ppm, to 415 ppm in 2021, a 20% increase, according to federal data. Seems the global temperature rise can't keep pace with CO2 growth. Also countering the narrative is the true story of sea levels. We've been told that man-made global warming will turn coastal cities into underwater attractions as the overheating planet melts ice and snow. But the oceans are not rising. They are stable. There is no evidence whatever to support impending sea level rise catastrophe, or the unnecessary expenditure of state or federal tax monies to solve a problem that does not exist, say researchers Jay Lair and Dennis Heek. Their conclusion is based on data from the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, which has 200 measurement stations across the world. The readings, some of which go back more than 150 years, show that sea levels have been rising, but the increases are modest and show no spikes that would coincide with the emergence of fossil fuel combustion in power plants, automobiles and countless other innovations that define modernity. The pattern extends throughout the world, throughout times of increasing atmospheric carbon dioxide concentrations and throughout periods of accelerated warming and cooling, the authors write. So the oceans aren't rising, but maybe they're boiling, as Al Gore claimed in his recent deranged rant at the World Economic Forum Summit in Davos, Switzerland. Of course, they're not. Water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit, or 100 degrees Celsius, at sea level. The hottest ocean water is in the 85 to 90 degree Fahrenheit range. Sure, Gore wasn't being literal, he was embellishing to make a point, the same point he and all the other alarmists have been making for more than 30 years, which has never come to pass, and probably never will. Climate alarmists, like the UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres and his partners, should start answering this documented criticism. The discerning public knows now that the climate movement is afraid to debate the facts. Yenobserver at gmail.com